0: This is Exploring Leaders, episode 16, with the globally leading research scientist, Dr. Stephanie Werner from MIT Sloan. She will share insights from the research and engagements with hundreds of organizations on their digital journey over the last years, and insights from the new book, What's Your Digital Business Model? Stephanie will share frameworks, examples, and critical questions inspiring you to take leadership in the digital age.
1: Do you wonder how trailblazing leaders sense at scale, involve to innovate and align the actions in this increasingly digital world? Welcome to the Exploring Leaders podcast. The experienced team at Degotion interviews leaders from around the world for insights and inspiration on how to lead in the digital age. In this episode, Degosian chairman Lisa Lot who is also an independent board director, business advisor, and startup coach, asks the questions.
0: Today, our guest is Stephanie Werner, a globally leading research scientist at MIT Slope. She studies how companies manage organizational change caused by the digitization of the economy, her research centers on enterprise digitization and the associated governance and strategy implications, three studies... She's involved in Include the amount allocation and impact of enterprise-wide digital investments, how digitization is influencing the next generation enterprise, and the impact of Internet of Things on companies' business models and the competitive landscape. She's also written a very insightful best-selling book together with MIT professor Peter Reel, named What's Your Digital Business Model? It includes insightful frameworks, examples and six critical questions to help you set a direction for the future. Fantastic. Thank you so much for accepting to be interviewed. I'm delighted to be here. So we're here at MIT. And you are a researcher here at MIT. So, can we just start with maybe you presenting yourself?
2: Sure. My name is Stephanie Warner, and I'm a research scientist at the MIT Center for Information Systems Research. We're a research center located in the Sloan School of Management, and we study how to help businesses succeed in the digital economy.
0: And I think it's so exciting. I work with that, with a lot of companies, and also with advisory. And I follow you. And I was totally blown away with your very interesting book that that you have just come out with. So I thought if I can ask a couple of questions around that. Wonderful. Yes. I'm going to take some quotes that you have in your book. One of them is digital transformation is not about technology. It's about change. And it's not a matter of if, but a question of when and how. Can you share a bit how you came to that conclusion?
2: Well, when we started uh, looking at all of the companies that were undergoing a transformation and when we started looking in depth at the companies who had talked to us about their most important IT-enabled IT project for business transformation, we saw that they were were using technology, but it wasn't about saying, oh, we're going to do social media. It was instead about How are we going to get to know the customer better? Or how are we going to become more networked? They were really about trying to accomplish these business objectives, Mm -hmm. not really about becoming great at technology. Becoming great at technology was helping them get to that business objective. And the matter of not if, but when, pretty much every company we've talked to is understanding that the digital era has really affected how customers want to interact with your Mm -hmm. company and it means you can't not do something they're used to this seamless easy way of ordering online and then you know packages show up or even when you're in the b2b being able to track your shipment so that you can go and plan better inventory so it may not be a real customer centric something that's really flashy but you are going to have to digitally transform Mm
1: -hmm.
0: There's also uh, some really good things in your book and you're referring to that leaders lack a common language or a framework to help them assess the degree of threat to their business and more importantly to offer direction about where they should go. Can you share a bit more about that? Yes. It's really
2: interesting. We started, we got this idea about the framework. And in fact, that led to the six questions. Mm. When we were talking to senior executives and they're going, well, we know we have to change, but how are we going to change? And what does it mean to change? And we've been getting better at operating Mm. efficiency, but that doesn't seem to be what actually we need to do. So what is the language and we found that by giving executives these six questions and going into depth about each of these questions it started to give them a framework mm-hmm. of figuring out where you needed to go and then how you were going to get there. And mm-hmm. in subsequent research to the book we've we've continued along this line.
0: Okay. Very interesting. So there are six questions. Uh, so I actually thought I would ask around the questions, if sure. it's okay. So your first question is, what is the digital threat or opportunity? And what challenge do you see that leaders have in actually even embracing digital?
2: Well, the, often they don't know, they haven't been able to pin down what is the threat. They have this overall kind of diffuse mm feeling that there is something there, and they know that they've got to deal with it. So we came up with a question to ask, which was, How much of your revenues, what percentage of your revenues are under threat in the next five years? Now, perhaps we could have looked at the opportunity, but it seemed harder to get Mm. leaders to talk about the opportunities, Mm. whereas we could get them to pin down what the threat was. And Mm. on the average company, it was 28 percent and large companies with over seven billion dollars in revenue, it's 46 percent. So think about what that means. That means that you have to come up with innovations, yes. with new business models to replace, in the case of large companies, almost 50% of your revenues just to stay flat, no growth. And wow. so that gets people thinking. Once they put a number to it, then they can say, oh, what are we going to do? Yes.
0: Yeah. And that leads to the next question. Which is fantastic. And so the next question is around which digital business model is best for your future? and. Um, so can you describe maybe the, dis- the business models there are and how should they choose?
2: Oh, choosing is hard, but I can describe. Yeah. Um, when we started the research and asked uh, executives about these business transformation projects, we collected, oh, I think finally in the end, 144 of them. And then you sit down and do research and you <laughs> kind of uh, <laughs> separate them and look at them and try to find commonalities. And came up with two key dimensions. And one was how well do you know your customer and the problems that they are trying to solve. Mm -hmm. And then how networked are you? What's Mm -hmm. your business design? Mm -hmm. Are you more of a value chain or are you more of a ecosystem Mm or kind of a web of relationships? And so that gives you in fine academic fashion for uh, a two by two with four models. And the four models are um, supplier, which is a model where you don't know a lot about your end customer and you're still operating in a value chain. So we see a lot of companies that sell through other companies as being suppliers. So for instance, a manufacturer of televisions Mm. sells through a retailer and that would be a supplier. Procter and Gamble in many respects Mm. is a pretty classic supplier because Mm. they're not typically selling direct. Mm. What they have to worry about there is, do they lose power? They have to worry about efficiency and then also how are they going to innovate? Hmm. So we see a lot of companies in the supplier models starting to really try to get to know the customer better, starting to think about making some mm-hmm. partnerships. The second model is what we call an omni-channel, and that is mm-hmm. the uh, company is still working in a value chain but really owns the customer relationship. And they've done a lot of work trying to figure out what are the problems, not just what are they going to sell, but What are the problems that customers are trying to uh, solve? And they've had to work to integrate many of their silos so that they can start to create solutions that are going to go across Mm. silos for those customers. And so we see many banks and retail uh, companies moving up into this. We see that uh, mobile becomes very important in this quadrant, in this business model. Mobile is very important and other kinds of technologies that are going to allow this seamless movement across channels. The third business model is one we call modular producer. And that is one where we thought that we were going to see lots of born digital companies there. And in fact, we do see a lot of born digital companies in this space. But we're doing research on that this year on what is a modular producer. It turns out that there are actually lots of companies who are providing a digital service that are kind of in the background. You don't know very much about them. So, for instance, one of the companies that we interviewed, they run reward programs for companies like hotels. And... So it's kind of a white-label business. Mm. And there are different ways of getting paid. Mm. So a lot of times for a supplier, it's a you buy something Mm. and it's a one-time. You move into the modular producer and you're starting to look at things like payment by uh, APA load or subscription type of payments. They're really very different business models. So we see payment companies are often, so peer-to-peer payment companies, Mm. a company like PayPal is is very Mm. much like a modular producer you have to be able to t- plug and play in right. each quadrant and you have to be technology agnostic and secure so oh. and and it's a tough it's a tough model to be in but i think that there's a lot of opportunity there and then the fourth business model is what we call an ecosystem driver and that's a company that owns the platform they own the customer relationship they bring in complementary services they've got great customer data They have got to have a great customer experience, Mm -hmm. and because they own the platform, they actually get a small piece of every transaction. It's really, really hard to be an ecosystem driver. I think that Amazon, Alibaba, Mm. WeChat are really kind of quintessential ecosystem drivers.
0: Really exciting.
1: You can check out more hints and tips in the blog post covering this podcast episode of Exploring Leaders at the Degotion blog, which you find at Degotion.com.
0: Your next question, which is kind of intriguing, is what is your digital competitive advantage? So how do you kind of identify which capabilities is relevant for tomorrow? And how do you actually use that as your Well part of it is, so That research,
2: that we started and started really just asking people, Mm so what do you think your competitive advantage is? What do you think you're going to build your future on? And that's how we came to identify the three sources of competitive advantage. And the first one of those is your content. What do you sell? Mm -hmm. Um, And it could be a product. It could be digital You could think of Amazon selling the product that gets delivered to your door, the product information that is around it. Mm. There's often digital services, so Mm. that's what's sold. The customer experience is the second customer Mm. advantage, and that's what's the experience of being a customer like? Mm. Do you have everything in place so that you've thought about this seamless interaction that you've got things like a community, Mm. that you have reputation, those kinds of things. And then the third is, what's your platform? And that's about how well you deliver. And so, and one of the things, as we were going along and doing the research, we realized that each of the business models has a separate source of competitive advantage. So if you're a supplier, you're selling and you're selling something. So you have to have great content So that helps to figure out Mm. which business model you want to be in. Mm. Omnichannels have to have a great customer experience. Mm. Modular producers have to have a great platform. Again, technology, agnostic, secure, plug-and-play, APIs. Mm. And then ecosystem drivers just have to be great at all of them. That's one of the reasons it's so hard. And we see a lot of companies use this to figure out which capabilities they think are missing and which... You know, some companies will say it's really about it's really about the content. So mm-hmm. for instance, TripAdvisor mm-hmm. at at one point looked back and said, We have got more customer reviews than anybody. We should be able to leverage that. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not gonna spend any time on their customer experience mm-hmm. or their platform, but they see their advantages mm-hmm. being around um, those reviews. A lot of, like we said, um, banks in the Omnichannel are saying that we have to have a great customer experience so that we can become mm. the place that customers come to when they think that they have a problem to solve. Mm. And then the platform, uh, again, these modular producers where you have um, identity services, payment services, mm. they just have to be able to work on any platform, so you have to be really great at the technology.
0: Mm. I think it's so fascinating. Then I kind of, you have two questions. I kind of put them together, uh, which were, how do you connect using mobile and Internet of Things, which is a fabulous question. And the next one is, do you really have the crucial capabilities to reinvent the enterprise? You say actually uh, in there uh, exactly your, your different competitive advantages, but can you explain a bit more how to think about these critical capabilities?
2: Well, we think about them as are you using them to move up to learn more about the customer or are you using them to move right to kind of start creating that web of relationships. And so moving up, think about um, sentiment analysis. You're looking and listening to the customer. NPS, you're bringing the voice of the customer inside evidence-based decision-making, you're starting to actually see what it is the customer wants Mm -hmm. and then making changes based on that. On the other hand, looking at moving right, you need to be thinking about creating that platform, Mm -hmm. that destination that every customer wants to come to and what's it going to take to create that destination. And if you think about complementary services, you've got to be able to make these partnerships Partnerships that really matter around these services that are going to that you can bundle together to create these products mm-hmm. and services for your customers, and then you can have this service enabling with your APIs. You've got to be able to once you have that destination, you've got to be able to plug and play into that destination. And mobile and IoT are really interesting because they can actually do both of these things at one time. And and we were just intrigued by mobile and IoT and we thought that there were real synergies between the two mm. if you got them together. I think that you probably could have used another new technology mm. to to explore this issue of connection, both connection mm. to the customer and connection to your partners. Mm. But those were the two mm. that we took
0: because they just intrigued us. Yeah. And, and they are connectors, as you yes. say, compared to other technologies. So now I'm moving into actually trying to discuss a bit around the role of the board in this. And in what way they should be involved, facilitate, drive, decide, uh, encourage. Um, so, the, so, so the areas that we have found is three areas. The first area that we have found... A, transformative boards are a bit better at, is to capture information from different and diverse sources. Yes. So do you see any practices around that with the companies and boards you, you're just meeting with?
2: Absolutely. And yeah. we see them in different Different kinds of ways. So one is we see that board members who are trying to transform, who become more digitally savvy Mm. are doing things like educating themselves, Mm. taking an online course on blockchain because, hey, that's a technology. I should learn something about Mm. it. And, you know, there are places like MIT's edX where you can go and take Mm. a course. Mm. We see also board members um, doing... Digital tourism is (laughs) where you have board members go out and visit kind of, um, you know, kind of hot places where there's a lot of innovation. So Silicon Valley, Israel, Hmm. probably um, Asia, Hmm. places in Hmm. Asia, and collecting, meeting lots of companies, Hmm. um, seeing what they're doing, making an effort to see what a born digital company is doing and how is that different Hmm. from kind of what we call a big old company, we see that some of the most probably successful, effective trips actually bring at least part of the board and part of the senior executive team Hmm. because there's a lot of, relationship building outside of just going and visiting so yes that's one of the things that we've noticed is that these boards that we call digitally savvy they have members who are really trying to open themselves up and kind of scan the environment and see what's out there
0: right very interesting so the next area that we see that more transformative boards are doing is to become more involved in strategy and innovation And also to establish an engaging vision. Is that something you have seen, and some practices you've seen in there?
2: Yes. So we've seen we've seen boards in the research that we talk about in the book. We did some research with boards about what are the roles of the board, and we came up with three separate roles of the board. Mm -hmm. And one was around kind of the internal security, cyber privacy, Mm -hmm. really kind of protecting, Mm -hmm. defensive. You're protecting. The company and 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 that is a key role of the board. They need to know that the company is is really doing what it can. Is not opening itself up to attack. The second role is what we call oversight, kind of oversight of large transformation projects, mm. large IT projects, and then the third role is what we call strategy mm. and. It doesn't mean that the board does strategy, but it does mean that the board needs to know and advise the executive committee and the CEO about and and ask questions so that Mm -hmm. they are there both as a sounding board, but also to make sure that the stockholders' needs Mm -hmm. and their uh, resources are being protected. Mm -hmm. When we did some financial analysis, we found that actually... It was the protection and the defensive and the strategy that actually correlated with financial performance. It turns out that the oversight, we wonder, we have this hypothesis that boards probably start with this defensive and then they move into this oversight. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they can get to a point where they're savvy enough that they can have a dashboard and then they can just manage by exception, mm-hmm. that's probably the way to do it. And then, But yes, this strategy piece, this... Being able to ask the right Mm. questions and being able to think about digital disruption Mm. and how you're going to move forward, I think, is a really important piece for the board. And this transformation is hard. And the CEO is going to have to make a lot of hard decisions. And the board's got to be there Mm. uh, supporting that CEO. Mm.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, and it's certainly not easy. As it's very hard to predict what's going to mm-hmm. happen. So the final area we, we see is that these boards, they take decision, decisions, which is aligned to where the company are in its development phase a bit quicker. But they also do it with, with much more with long term horizon in view. Is that mm. something you see? actually, that's a great
2: finding. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would be something we're still in the process Mm -hmm. of doing some of this research Mm -hmm. on boards. And in fact, we're probably going to do a a project next year on executive committee and boards. Mm -hmm. We have uh, some indication that that is Mm -hmm. true. I mean, these board members are really looking at very cutting edge technologies. And you are looking at that because you think that those are going to help you create a competitive advantage, they're going to help you create a compelling customer uh, value proposition. And so, yes, I think we we had never put it that way. But I think Mm. that that's a good way of of thinking Mm. about it, this long term,
1: um, long term view. To get even more value out of the podcast series Exploring Leaders, you can find everything from research reports to advice and courses at the Degotion Insight platform, which you can find at degotion.com.
0: So, you also mentioned to me that you have uh, deep dived actually a bit into boards and, and yes. what they're doing. Can
2: you share something about what that should sure. be? Um, This is a research project that uh, Peter and I talked about, and then we brought in one of our colleagues, Tom Appel, who is, uh, he's worked with us in the past Mm -hmm. on business models research. Mm -hmm. He is chairman of a board here in the United States, uh, and he's very technically, technologically savvy. And then we also brought in another board member, Jenny Banner, who is also a lead director, just so that we could kind of get into the head of a lead director, chairman. And we decided we wanted to know what makes a savvy board and does having a digitally savvy board matter? Mm -hmm. So we thought, well, let's think big. And we decided that we wanted to look at all of the boards in the United States that were publicly traded. (laughs) And once you decide to do that, you then decide, okay, we're going to try a different methodology. So what we did, we first looked at chairman and CEO board letters and started coding them to see, are there terms that we think indicate digital savviness? Um, And we actually, we kind of hit a dead end with that as being an indicator of a digitally savvy board. But the coding was important, so we then took that knowledge and we decided what, what we needed to do was let's, let's go from the other way. Let's look at the directors themselves. So we um, got all of the bios of all of the directors on publicly traded companies in the United States, and we started out with over 5,000 companies, but we quickly decided we wanted to look at operating companies, Mm. so we took out hedge funds, index funds. We wanted to look at companies that were larger because Mm. that is who we do research about as large companies. So we took companies that had $1 billion and more in in revenues. Mm -hmm. And then we wanted companies that were not quite as tightly held. So we we got boards that had six or more directors. Mm -hmm. We took their um, bios. We used that data from the chairman's letters. And we then did this iterative coding process and used machine learning to code all of the directors in the uh, of this sample set, which was, uh So it was 3,228 companies, and I think it's over 3,000 directors. I would have to check on that. And then looking at some of the other research on diversity, we decided that we would uh, say that a board that had three or more directors was digitally savvy. Mm. And then we looked at financial performance. And it is amazing. So a board that has three or more digitally savvy members, and it turns out really three is the, you get an incremental lift with a fourth board member, but three's where the huge difference is. The differences in those boards versus boards that aren't digitally savvy, mm-hmm. you see it in terms of market share growth, you see it in terms of revenue growth, and a number of other financial performance measures. And it's across industries. Mm-hmm. Now what you'll see is that certain industries are more digitally savvy so say information technology has right. more digitally savvy boards whereas construction, I, construction mm-hmm. is much much lower mm-hmm. and it it's just the most amazing it, it's, we did not expect to see differences like that so if you take our definition mm-hmm. you, you end up with about 20, 21% 24% of the board's would be classified as digitally savvy. So, and and that's a it's a pretty you can tighten that mm. definition up of savviness. And, and mm. but we decided to go with the looser one to start with because the differences are so big and so just uh, we just didn't expect to see something like that. So we're working on getting that published, and we hope that we'll have uh, research to send out and to uh, really you know talk about. Uh,
0: and I think it's going to be smash it in the market because it has to. Yes. Well,
2: and and then you, Mm. well, how do you become more digitally savvy? And so I think that some of the things Mm. that you've asked about, which is really looking Mm. outward, getting more information, taking these education courses, kind of, Mm. you know, looking at digitally savvy industries Mm. and seeing how they're doing things Mm. differently. I mean, we talked to, we interviewed several board members and, I think learning about how Agile methodology is done was a really kind of eye-opening mm-hmm. because it's so different. I mean, you're not planning. You're actually mm-hmm. testing, and you're experimenting, and you're hypothesizing, mm-hmm. and then you follow up with what you've learned, and you you mm-hmm. roll that into your process, and, mm-hmm. and at the same time, that means that... Not so much board members, but really executives have to learn that they have to give some of that, those decision rights back to the workers Mm. if they're going to be working so closely and so iteratively.
0: Right. Which is a very different way of leading as well.
2: Yes. And I think that that's what we're going to see in some of the research that we're going to be doing in the next year or so.
0: So I was just going to round this up with, do you see any leaders or any companies that you think these are going the right way. We should keep our eyes on these companies. So... Or leaders. um, Leaders. um,
2: Francisco Gonzalez in Mm. BBVA, in Mm. banking. We've done a lot of work with banking, so I've seen Mm. that. Um, Fernando Gonzalez is the CEO of CIMEX and they are working hard to really make themselves much more customer focused and Mm. so it's interesting how he sees Mm. what technology can do to create this compelling customer Mm. value proposition. Mm. Pius Gupta at uh, DBS is an interesting, uh, DBS is just fantastic, they decided that they really needed to put the customer at the center of everything that they did Mm. and they Really put forth a vision that they should be a tech company and not a bank, wow. and so right. we have some we have some case studies on a lot of these companies. Uh, Schneider Electric is doing mm. a long standing transformation, mm. um, starting with their in 2009 when after they had done a load of acquisitions, and I think they ended up with over a hundred ERP oh. systems, and realized that. They had a terrible customer experience because customers would call one company, but they wanted things from four companies, which meant they had to make four different kinds. And so it was a very patchy, difficult experience. And also they were missing opportunities for Mm cross-selling. And so I think that that Schneider Electric has Mm -hmm. done, they have a very interesting transformation. Right.
0: And so there are a number of companies which is actually moving definitely in the right direction, oh, abs- and leaders.
2: Yes, absolutely,
0: right. absolutely. What do you think, what are these leaders doing? How do they dare to do this compared to a lot of other leaders? Well, one is once they
2: go back to that first question and say, well, what percentage of our revenues are under threat? Think about who could come in and take those revenues away from mm-hmm. us. I mean, you have startups, so mm-hmm. you really have to be thinking about startups. Mm-hmm. You have companies in the industry that say, well, we can do this differently. Mm-hmm. And so it's competitors who decide to really change the basis of competition. Right. And then you have companies that come from other industries. Think about what Amazon has done. Yeah. And I, I so a lot of companies are going, well, they're not in our industry, but what would happen if? Okay. And so that's re- really making them think about different scenarios. Yeah. And so I think they realize that they have to. Now, this is where they have to get their board really behind them. They have to be able to make a compelling case to the board so that the board will support them but then they have to change the way that they lead because of some of these new capabilities that you have to start hmm. building they have to be able to communicate the vision and they're going to have to communicate it and communicate it and communicate it and communicate it and they're going to have to set you know help set the vision right. but i think that they've got to be able to change the way that they're leading in that You actually have to work from the bottom, too. You have to get all of your people moving in the same direction. Mm -hmm. And I also think, as I said, Mm -hmm. like with Agile and with this Test and Learn, you're going to have to devolve some of your control and some of your authority. Mm -hmm. So you have to build an organization where you trust those people.
0: Fantastic. If you uh, would give a final advice to our listeners, what would that be? Uh, the final advice
2: would be, you're going to have to start, and then you're going to iterate. Mm. It's going to, a transformation is going to be a lot, like a lot of the work that you're going to do in the organization. And you're probably not going to get it right the first time. Mm. So be prepared and be resilient. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to Exploring Leaders, a podcast produced by DigOcean, with the ambition to inspire insightful leadership in the digital age. If you found this episode interesting, join the momentum to amplify the voices of trailblazing leaders by sharing it with others for inspiration. For any questions or recommendations on other inspiring leaders you'd like to listen to, contact us via our website, Degotion.com, or via social media as LinkedIn or Twitter.